Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. So all of us have had the experience where we faced a job or a task or an opportunity or a challenge or a crisis, and we knew that there was no way we could face it unless there were people who came alongside of us and who helped us. There was no way we could face it as an individual without the care and support of a team of people. We know from experience that nothing important, nothing lasting, nothing truly valuable happens as a result of the actions of one person. Great things happen in teams. Behind every writer is a team of editors. Behind every CEO, there are vice presidents and administrative assistants. Behind every head coach, there is an assistant coach or a team. And when we have the right people on our team, we know we can can accomplish great things. And we can endure hard things. And I think theologically, we can process this knowing that we experience this feeling because we were created by God to be mutually dependent on other people. We were created to live in community, not to try to do life on our own, but to live in community with people who come alongside us and help us. And perhaps even more significant, we know that we were created by God to be dependent on him to express our humanity, our frailty, our vulnerability, to know that we are weak and that we are actually at our best when we accept those limitations. We accept our weakness and we look to God for his strength and his help. And so this morning we're going to look at an amazing truth from scripture. We're going to focus on the fact that as disciples of Jesus, we have an incredible helper on our team. In fact, not just any helper, but we have the helper. We have the Holy Spirit, the best helper living inside of us if we are in Jesus. This is the same Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation, who brought order out of chaos. The same Holy Spirit who empowered judges and kings to overcome obstacles and do great things for God's glory, to, to face enemies that were much more powerful than they were. This is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives in us and who is our helper. Friends, I don't know if that gets you excited, but it gets me excited. This is an amazing truth. And if we could only grasp 5% of that reality this morning, I believe it would blow our minds. Now, it may strike you as a little odd to think of God as our helper because isn't it, isn't the other way around, actually? I mean, don't, aren't we the ones who are helping God and it's his mission and so we help him? But that's true. And yet, a beautiful mystery in our faith is that God is a God who served us first. Yes, we serve God, but only because he has served us. We are helpers, but it's only because God is the one who has helped us. He is the great helper. Now, I think we have a difficult time thinking of God as helper and wrapping our minds around this image because we often think of a helper as the one who uh, is, is being sort of less than the one who is being helped. 
right? We think of that as a subordination kind of thing, right? The assistant helping the lead. And so we think of the role of helper as sort of being inferior. I'm serving a person who's smarter than I am, who has more power, who has more influence to accomplish their mission. And so that's why we have a hard time seeing God in this role. But that's not the way it works in God's kingdom. Actually, to serve is to reflect the very image of God and is a place of strength. So the first place in scripture we see this idea of a helper is actually in Genesis chapter 2. And God says, it's not good for the man to be alone, but I will create a helper that is suitable for him. That's this word helper here. It's first introduced. And we sort of assume this term implies some kind of subordination or subservience. Because we read our understanding of the term helper backwards into the text. But that's not the way it works. Actually, this term helper is used many places throughout the Old Testament. And the majority of instances, the word helper is applied to God himself. God is the one who helps. For example, Psalm 118. It says, I was pushed back. I was about to fall, but the Lord helped me. Same word. It's applied to Eve, but it's also applied to God. The one who helps, it speaks of one who comes alongside, working together, providing aid, providing support. In fact, it doesn't imply inferiority, but rather speaks of God's strength and power and protection and ability to help and to rescue. And so when we get to the New Testament, it should not be surprising that the idea of a helper or as an advocate, as it's translated here in in John's Gospel in the NIV, this advocate, this helper, this term is applied to the Holy Spirit and also to Jesus. Because it's true of the Father. It is a characteristic of God. In fact, it's a kind of role. It's an office of God. God is the one who helps. This mission to come alongside of us is a joint Trinitarian mission of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit working together. And throughout this series, you'll see that there's a lot of overlap in the roles of the Holy Spirit. And you'll also see there's a lot of overlap between the work of Father and Son and Jesus. And while there's certainly nuance to those roles, I think the big picture of Scripture paints, paints a picture of a God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who work together to create, who work together for our salvation. And so the story of Scripture and the testimony of history is that our God loves to help and our God loves to save. Can I get an amen on that? Our God loves to help and loves to save. He is merciful. He is kind. He is a compassionate helper. He is on our side. He is for us. He is on our team. And one of the ways that God demonstrates that he loves to help and loves to save and he's for us and he's on our team is through sending the Holy Spirit to be our helper who is with us all the time. And no matter what task we face, No matter what challenge or opposition comes against us, we always have God, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, living inside of us, helping us. Friends, that's good news. That is gospel good news. So let's dive into our text this morning from John chapter 14. At this point in the flow of the gospel narrative, Jesus has revealed to his disciples that he's not going to be with them very much longer. And they're shocked by this. At first, they don't understand it. And then once they get it, they don't like it. But he promises he's going to go and prepare a place for them and that he will return. 
But they love Jesus. They've spent time with him. They've gone to weddings together and funerals. They've witnessed his miracles and his teaching. They have done life together intensely. They love him and they don't want him to go away. But here Jesus says something striking. He says the gift that is coming after he leaves is so great that it is actually good for their good that he will leave so that the next piece of God's salvation plan will unfold. How can it be, Jesus? How can it be good for you to leave us? Because what's coming after me is part of the plan. And it's such an amazing gift. And so I must leave, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, to live within you, to live within us, to be our helper and advocate. So let's unpeel some of the layers of this wonderfully encouraging mystery. Starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So in verse 16, we're introduced to a new term, referring to the Holy Spirit as advocate. John's the only one who uses this particular term. And the NIV translates it um, advocate. The old NIV actually used the word counselor. It translates a, a Greek word, parakletos, or as we would often say in English closely, paraklete which sounds an awful lot like parakeet, if you ask me. I have a parakeet, or we used to have a parakeet. That was our first and only pet that we adopted. He was Carolina Blue like that. His name was Healy. They're fun birds. Pastor Dan actually has two parakeets. A number of people after first service came to tell me that they also have parakeets. So, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with my sermon, but it is the one thing that you will remember. So... Hopefully this image of a parakeet will remind you of the paraclete who is the counselor and the helper of the Holy Spirit. In classical Greek literature, the term referred to a legal aid, but it took on further nuance. In the New Testament, it really refers to simply a helper, an advocate, an intercessor, or a counselor. Or we might phrase it this way. The parakeet, I'm sorry, the paraclete is one who comes alongside and helps us. To come alongside. Now it's important to notice that Jesus says here, another advocate, which means we already have one. And who is that? Well, it's Jesus himself. John, in one of his letters, refers to Jesus with this same title. He says in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, same word, with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So the spirit in many ways will continue on the ministry and the relationship of Jesus Christ to his disciples and consequently to us today. So let's look at a couple of different ways. John 14 says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our daily lives. The first is that the helper leads us. Now, the leading ministry of the Spirit is very robust. We could talk about a lot of different categories, but specifically here, it talks about leading us to truth, which then leads to obedience. The Spirit leads us toward truth and to obedience. Obedience is actually the first idea introduced in this passage where we began reading, and arguably it's the central idea. It gets the most attention. 
in the second half of John 14. But how will we know what obedience looks like if we don't know the truth? And so he says, verse 17, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That's what Pastor Dan preached on last week. If you missed it, go back and watch or listen, because I'm not going to elaborate on this a whole lot here. But the spirit leads us to truth. So let's think about where we are in the flow of understanding the spirit. The first week we talked about the spirit as regenerator. Meaning the Spirit works in our life before our moment of faith and repentance and conversion. The Spirit is the one that changes our nature into one that leads from death to now one that leads to life. This pre-work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. Last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates truth, who opens our eyes to see the truth. So now the question is, what do we do with that truth? It's not just enough to check off all the right doctrinal statements. No, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey my commands. You'll put those things into action. And so here we are looking at this role of the helper opening our eyes to truth and now to obedience. So that's where I'm going to focus. So let's think about the context again. Jesus has told the disciples he's going to leave them. They're grieving They're hurting, they don't understand, and they think their relationship with him is over. But Jesus says, no, by no means. Our relationship is just beginning. Because our relationship is based on love, and you're going to express your love for me. You're going to express all that our relationship has meant by now going out and doing what I've commanded you to do. I'm going to send you into the field. I'm going to put you in the game. And after all, that's, that's the greatest compliment that any of us could receive as a coach, as a mentor, as a small group leader, as a pastor. We want to see the people whose lives we're pouring into, we want to see them change and grow and learn new things and for them to get it and to start putting it into action. And that's what Jesus says here. It's time for me to send you out. But I'm not sending you out in the world on your own. I'm not saying, okay, I've done my work. I've taught you. I've showed you. Now go do it. No, he says, I'm sending you out with a secret source of power and of insight and of wisdom. I'm giving you the special helper who will go with you to help you and lead you into truth and consequently to lead you into obedience. The helper leads us. And so if I could state it concisely, I would put it this way, as simply as possible. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to help us love and obey Jesus. The primary work. That's, that's what the Spirit is doing, is helping us. Because that's what Jesus says, is the whole context of this, is if you love me, obey my commands. And then he says, and by the way, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is going to help you to express your love for me through obedience, to empower our spiritual formation and transformation. And so if this is the answer to the question, what? What is the Spirit helping us to do, to love and obey Jesus? The following question after the what is how. How is the Spirit going to do that? How is the Spirit going to help us? Well, it's pretty simple, but it's mysterious. The Spirit is going to do it by indwelling us. By living inside of us. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Other people won't be able to discern it. It will be an intangible thing, but we will know the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to form Christ in us. And this gift is described as a forever gift. Verse 16, will be with you forever. 
You see, once you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is not going to go away. That's a permanent thing. We're actually going to talk about that further down the line in the series, about how the Holy Spirit is the evidence that Christ is being formed in us and that we are in Christ. It's a forever gift. Now, it's interesting, though, because depending on how familiar you are with the Scriptures, you may recall that there's a place in the Old Testament where David prays, God, take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Do you recall that passage? So that's interesting, right? Because can we lose the Spirit? Well, I would argue that I think that there is a difference between the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Not everybody agrees with me. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But yet, the work of the Spirit kind of has a trajectory to it. So the Spirit was active in the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit at work. But in the instances where it talks about the Spirit coming on people and filling them, it seems to be a kind of temporary thing, or it's particular to certain roles and offices and tasks. And so people are filled with the Spirit, but it doesn't seem to be a universal experience where all believers are indwelt, like Jesus now talks about in the New Testament. Now, there's really smart people that are Orthodox that agree with me and that don't. And I don't want to bring you into that whole argument. You don't necessarily have to agree with me. But I think what we can agree upon is that there is some kind of new, different experience for New Testament believers that Jesus seems to be unpacking here to say that, Because of the work of Christ, now there is a different kind of filling of the Holy Spirit that is accessible to us. There's a lot of good reasons to be glad you're a New Testament Christian, uh, besides the whole sacrificial thing, right? But, But I am glad to be living in this era when we experience at least a heightened, if not a new, manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of believers, I believe that's what the Old Testament pointed forward to that, saying there will be a new covenant that will write my law upon their hearts, right? I think that is pointing ahead to this more full and rich experience of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is within us. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we all let go into a trance and now we're puppets or we're robots that are being controlled by the Spirit against our will? No, of course we know that's not true, and that's what Scripture says. We have to surrender to the work of the Spirit. We have to listen. We have to obey, because we can, in fact, resist the work of the Spirit. There's a couple of instances of this in the New Testament. It's not smart, but it happens, and I think that we know that we do this. We see an example of the Spirit being lied to. Acts uh, chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. It doesn't say they lied to God. It says they lied to the Spirit, which the Spirit is God. But it says specifically, lied to the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. We see in Acts 7 that they resisted the, the, the Holy Spirit and the guidance and the direction of the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. So, We have the Spirit, but that doesn't automatically mean that we're tapping into those resources and that we're obeying. Paul says, right, we don't do things we want to do. We do things we don't want to do. So it's not an automatic transformation experience, but yet it is something that God does, but we are also to submit to that and to surrender to that work, to seek that, to seek the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that is there. So it goes on further. The text tells us that the helper, the spirit, is the one who teaches us. Verse 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all 
things. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this particular point because we're going to go into detail on that next week, on the role of the Holy Spirit as teacher. But it's important for us to understand in our reading and study of Scripture that we have an internal teacher that we rely upon to understand and to apply God's Word. And notice it says the Spirit will teach us all things. Well, it doesn't mean everything, meaning we're going to be all-knowing like God is. It means everything that we need. What is sufficient for us to know about God's plan, what we need to know to live in godliness, what we need to know to participate in his mission. And that's good enough for me. Everything that we need to know. Right alongside this teaching ministry of the Spirit, we are comforted by the incredible ministry of reminding. Reminding. It says, the Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. I'm so grateful for that. How many of you know that children require a lot of reminders? Lots. Dozens, hundreds, thousands. Don't count. Right? Stop throwing that. Stop throwing your food. I mean, just everything. They need lots of reminders and grace. But here's the thing that I've found out in life is that it's not just kids. Grown-ups need reminders too, don't we? We need reminders. And it's it is so gracious of God that God not only teaches us but will remind us of the truth and that is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to mind things that we have been taught to help us apply that truth in real time. You see, I've found that it's often not the first time that you hear a new idea or truth that it really takes root and that you really get it. You have to hear something many times. Trust me, we know we have to announce something like 30 times in email and website and we have to text you and we have to call you and we have to announce it on Sunday mornings. And finally, at some point, you're like, oh, is there something happening Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah. The work of the Holy Spirit is to remind us and keep bringing back truth back to mind. And I found that it's often not the first time you hear something, but maybe the 532nd time you hear it that you finally go, oh, I get it now. Or maybe you saw it before, but you didn't want to do anything with it. Your heart was like, I see this truth, but I'm just, I'm not willing. I'm not ready. My heart is too hard. And so we have to keep hearing the same things over and over again. You see, Christians, we get stuck in this pattern. We want, we want new revelation from God. And that's great. We get that. But I think sometimes what we really need is not some new idea, but it's to hear the same truth that we've heard before and to have ears to hear. And how does that happen? It happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reminds us and brings back to mind. Have you ever had that experience where you were reading God's word and you, you read and you'd seen it before you hadn't really seen it. Where it, it, it just came alive. It gripped your heart. Suddenly you saw it, but now you actually wanted to do something with it. You wanted to respond to that. That's the Holy Spirit at work. That's the gift of God. And I think that partly this experience happens because while the truth of God's word never changes, the significance of it changes in our lives because our lives are always changing and our circumstances are changing. And so there may be some truth that you read now and there's something about it that comes alive to you because you're in a different season. You're facing a different challenge or a different opportunity. 
That is the work of the Holy Spirit who not only teaches us the truth, but reminds us and helps us to apply that truth. It's the work of the Spirit. It's the work of the Helper. The Spirit of God who brings the presence of the Father and the Son to us by indwelling us, who brings heaven to earth. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of how heaven comes to earth is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Bringing the truth of God into our lives, bringing heaven into earth, actually helping and empowering us to be the people that God created us to be before sin affected our world and our lives and our relationships. It's a gift of God. It's a reminder of God's love for us. He gives us the Holy Spirit who is our helper. It's proof that God is for us. That God didn't just send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we can go to heaven one day, but he sent his Holy Spirit to change our lives right now. That we could experience this new way of being human. It's the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to live differently, to experience the peace of God, the hope of God, the transforming, renewing grace of God. None of that happens without the Holy Spirit. That's what God's plan has been, to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And I don't know what you're going through specifically in your life. Well, some of you I do know, but, but I don't know every situation in the room. But I know that there can be times when it is hard to believe that God loves us and that he is good. And so I want to ask you to, to dig deep, to stand upon the testimony of believers throughout Scripture, to, t- to stand upon the testimony of other people in this room, to stand upon the testimony of, of history, of church history where people have known and experienced the helping, good, gracious hand of God. And that doesn't mean he will always answer our prayer the way we want or in the timing that we want. But we can trust that he is good and he is a God who saves and a God who helps us. He loves to help us. So if I could convince you to believe that just a little bit or to even dare to ask and pray, God, would you reveal yourself to me right now in this situation as the God who helps Would you help me to experience the power and presence of your very spirit in my life in this situation? Would you help me to know that you are the God that comes alongside? And may we as a church community be awakened to that reality. May we seek and surrender to the work of the spirit in our hearts. May we ongoingly and daily be filled with the help of the Holy Spirit to become new people who are more like Jesus to the glory of God and for our good. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, we thank you that you are a good God and that you are loving and gracious and patient and merciful. And God, we thank you for the powerful testimony of your word that you are a God who loves to help your people. And so we ask today, Father, that you would help us, that you would come alongside of us, that we would know that your Holy Spirit is with us, that that would be a tangible reality for us in the midst of the situations that we face, that we would know your presence and know your peace and be convinced that your Spirit is in us and for us. God, would you help us 
Would you rescue us and redeem us? Father, may we know that grace in a very real way. God, help your people. And may we give you all the glory for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.